Good morning, y'all. Thank you for listening to our Central Division podcast, created just for you, the medical staff, hosted by Saj Joy, CMO for Central Division. Hi, Saj. Hey. How are you, Drew? And myself, Drew Herman, CMO of Levine Children's Hospital and Jeff Gordon Children's Center. You know, our goal is, as we hope going forward, these podcasts are a quick and fun way to get to know the leaders of the Central Division and stay informed of events, resources, and services available to you, the medical staff at the Central Division, and maybe provide a laugh or two. Your communication is key. Um, we, we use emails and message boards in the lounges, but that and word of mouth are not enough. Uh, so we're trying podcasts and maybe some other forms of media in the future. We'd like to welcome today uh, two um, prominent leaders in the Central Division, um, Vicki Block, who's the president of the Central Division, uh, president of the, the facilities in the Central Division, and um, also um, Joe Bernard, who's the president of the medical staff for the Central Division. Um, welcome, Vicki, and welcome, Joe. Yeah, welcome, Joe and Vicki. We're so glad to have you here. Well, hey, let's first start off by um, uh, finding out a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Who wants to start? Good morning, Saj. Well, I was born and raised in Ohio, and um, many people don't know I'm a first-generation American. My parents immigrated to the United States in the early 50s from Yugoslavia via Austria. Um, consequently, my first language was German, and I learned how to speak English when I went to kindergarten, but sadly enough that it was also um, included accordion lessons and German dance lessons. So while I'm very proud of my German heritage, there's an aspect of it that is a little embarrassing nonetheless. I have been in healthcare for over 25 years. Started out as a CON reviewer in Ohio, but then um, my next role was actually here at CMC Mercy as manager of the Heart and Vascular Program. Spent a little bit over a year in that role and then traveled what I would like to say North Carolina. So spent some time at UNC Healthcare, spent some time at Cone Health in Greensboro, then went to WakeMed in Raleigh, and then most recently I went back to Ohio, uh, served as the Chief Operating Officer at Ohio Health for the last two and a half years. And I'm beyond thrilled to be back here in Charlotte and back with Atrium Health. Yeah, so I grew up uh, in Kentucky in Lexington. I spent some time in Ohio at Miami of Ohio for college. Um, then spent some time in Louisville for medical school and then in Memphis for neurosurgery training. Um, I did uh, some extra time in endovascular, so I do a lot of the catheter-based treatments for blood vessel stuff, and that's why I, I came to Charlotte. Um, I married way up. Um, <laughs> <coughs> I've got uh, five kids. We had three, thought we were done, and then had surprise twins. Uh, they're in high school now, um, but um, you know, all is all is good from where I sit. Um, I've been doing the um, presidency. Uh, I'm in my uh, halfway through my second year, right? It'll end in January, and then there'll be uh, some very competent people coming up uh, behind me. And um, uh, I've been the uh, chairman of the perioperative leadership committee for the board of directors for the um, operating room since we started that. So I have a operational interest on efficiency and that sort of stuff too. Well, let me also specifically ask, Joe, you as the president of the medical staff, you know, what does that mean to you in, in your capacity? So, uh, 
Right, so as president of the, of the medical staff, um, we're basically trying to, uh, along with the other officers, um, try to represent all the needs of the medical staff, uh, try to um, share those opinions and be the liaison between uh, the administration uh, and the medical staff. And, and luckily uh, with uh, Vicki, this has been a really easy job. Uh, in many ways. There's certainly, um, like any time there's lots of changes, there are lots of hurdles to go through, but the, uh, the support between the CMOs and uh, the administration has really been great. Similarly, Vicki, you as the president of the facility, uh, what, what does that mean? Um, and then tie that all together for us uh, from a partnership standpoint. How do you see this partnership of uh, the medical staff president and the facility president working together? I think first of all, the central division includes responsibility and oversight for CMC Maine, CMC Levine Children's Hospital, and then um, CMC Mercy. Um, in terms of the actual role, it's really driving day-to-day -day strategy operations and then looking at driving financial and clinical performance of everything that we do within the four walls of these three entities. So really think of it from a balanced scorecard perspective. It's so how do we improve upon the work we're doing from a quality perspective, financial perspective, looking at culture, which would include our work with um, medical staff relations, and then also certainly being an advocate for the associates and teammates that work here on a day-to-day -day basis. And then lastly, looking at financial performance. How do we make sure that we drive down the cost of healthcare, but that we're fiscally responsible in everything we do, and that we also ensure that we have the capital to reinvest back into the work that we're doing and reinvest back into our patients. I would say a key aspect of that is really the strong partnership that we do have with the members of the medical staff, especially in driving day-to-day -day clinical operations, and then also just improving upon what we do for our patients every single day. That cannot be done in a vacuum. It really takes a partnership to make sure that we're optimizing clinical outcomes. So obviously the medical staff has the hard work of taking care of the patients, but what I need to do is to make sure that we have the resources, whether it be the appropriate teammates um, or whether it's the capital resources or materials, equipment to make sure that we're not only optimizing patient care, but in many instances, innovating and being at the forefront of patient care. So what are you guys excited about in the next one or two years? I know you're all, um, you're full of, uh, of wonderful ideas. What, what's, um, what's on the horizon? We just brought online the interoperative MRI, which is very unique to this particular region. I think we're the first in this region to actually offer that services. And it's a great example of how we worked with CNSA, which is an independent neurosurgical group, with our teammates here to make sure that they have the training that they need, and then also making sure that we have the equipment, in this case, very expensive equipment that we need to really optimize patient care for those patients who are having neurosurgical procedures, and especially patients who are coming in with brain tumors, making sure that we can provide them a whole different kind of treatment that they've had before. So I think that's a great example of how we partner with, let's identify a need that we have for how we can better serve our community, and then how do we partner with the medical staff to make sure that we get that online fairly efficiently quickly and then again it's about optimizing patient care. We're excited about it too. I mean this is you know revolutionary for this region. Um, it's it's 
already been fantastic in the patients that it's that we've already treated with it. Um, it's going to be um, you know something that we can uh, move move forward with uh, and give you know the best patient care available to everybody that we serve. Uh, what what are you what are you most worried about going forward in healthcare um, with it being so complex? The challenge that we have with capacity, patient flow, patient throughput. And so an exciting aspect of this is that how do we continue upon the really great work that's been done in this area, but how do we bring a whole different level of innovation around this strategy? I mean, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a conundrum. I will tell you we've experienced this where I was at before in Ohio, is that we're just so busy, especially when you serve as the quaternary hub, or Levine Children's is a great example as well, when you have so many patients who are referred to a central location. How do we make sure that we have the resources, i.e. beds, that we need to serve the population that's seeking services from us? And so how do we address that in a very different way? I think there's some exciting tools out there that we can tap into to help improve flow and strategy, but it's also how do we work together to think outside the box and address this in a very different way? And I know we have the talent and resources to do that here. I think, you know, there's a great example that hasn't gotten talked about uh, much, but we're already using artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. um, uh, battery of uh, nursing with telestroke um, nurses to pick and choose which patients come to the quaternary center. So mm -hmm. if you have That's a... Great example. If you have a stroke and there's not really anything we can do in terms of an intervention and you can stay at the smaller hospital, we... Uh, use software that automates uh, much of the decision-making process, but then uh, we can decide based on that information to leave the patient there and not have to move their family and move the patient for something that they don't need, but then take the patients that really need like an intervention to remove the clot to try to uh, uh, alleviate their stroke symptoms, uh, get those patients here, and instead of um, you know coming here for further evaluation, we've analyzed them at the outside referring hospital come straight to the angio suite and try to take care of them in a super timely manner. Um, and, and that's been really exciting and that took a big investment from the system to say, okay, you know, we're gonna do this. And, and that saves dozens of admissions uh, of really sick patients potentially every month to the quaternary center. It's gonna take some, you know, as many uh, things that are exciting about this are also probably the things that are scary about this. Mm -hmm. It's gonna take some novel, creative, maybe first in practice type of steps for us because of our capacity issue is, is probably like few other places. Uh, so we're gonna have to create new different ways of thinking about this to solve it. I think that's a great point in the sense that this is an incredibly exciting time to be in healthcare just because of all the changes that have been occurring, but as Joe shared as well too, I think that also creates a little bit of anxiety about how do we address something that's been a challenge for us for the last number of years, as long as I can think of, honestly, and how do we think of it from a very different lens and still provide the exceptional patient care for which we're known. The whole notion of volume to value and so how do we drive down the cost of healthcare, but do it in a manner that, again, does not deteriorate the level of care that we currently provide? 
you know, we provide high level exceptional care, but that care is very, very expensive. So how do we rethink the strategies that we have in place to standardize care in an appropriate way, but also how, again, drive down the cost of healthcare without um, changing that exceptional care that we provide to our patients. And that can be very difficult to do when sometimes the push is to rethink the number of staff members that you need to do something. And I think that's an exciting time as well too because there are strategies that we can employ to make their work more efficient. But that all has to go hand in hand. So it's, it's not just a single lever that you pull. Again, it's very much a team approach or partnership. It's looking at all facets of what we do to make sure that we optimize every single aspect of that. I think it's I think it's a different balance than what it used to be too. I think uh, you know now if you read Becker's or any of these you know healthcare related uh, articles, you know you you see the headlines. You know hospital in Pennsylvania closing, hospital mm-hmm. here, right? And we've always been um, so blessed because we've you know I think been a good planner and financially responsible and and doing okay, but we still have to be judicious about how we move this moving forward. To me, my biggest concern moving forward is, um, right, we have this amazing plan for expansion of the facilities, which is uh, incredibly exciting. Um, I'm um, excited about our opportunity to figure out how we can keep the people that we need, recruit the new people that we need to staff it, right? All the most valuable resource that we have are the people that we train. And if you look at, you know, our turnover rates and our, you know, it takes probably six months at a minimum or a year to get somebody up to full speed at almost any job that we bring them in here before they're, you know, operating on uh, full bore. And we might only get to keep them for a few more months after that because then they go on to some other some other place that's got a little bit better lifestyle or a little bit better pay or something like that. Uh, and I know uh, our people are working hard at trying to figure all that stuff out and it's a real conundrum, but that that's to me the biggest puzzle we have yet to solve is how do we recruit the best and keep the best. And I love the discussion about uh, the work that we're doing around the strategic facilities, um, the master facilities plan. And I think the fact that we have a health system that is looking to reinvest into the facilities that we have, not only here at CMC Maine, but at Mercy and Pineville, speaks volumes because there really are very few healthcare systems in this country that are reinvesting in new buildings, replacement buildings at the level at which Atrium is doing that right now. So I think, again, speaks volumes about the level of innovation that this system has and also really the the support that the system has for the community that it serves and how do we do that in a really incredible way. So really excited about that work that we're doing around that. That's That to me is the most exciting thing mm-hmm. uh, and I hope uh, that Atrium will take it from a marketing perspective and really let the community know what they're doing because it is it is unheard of the amount that's being reinvested mm-hmm. right and you know the newspaper doesn't love us um, <laughs> but they but they sh- they should uh, because this is unprecedented it is so Vicki and Joe um, <clears throat> when when we talk with you it's very clear that you two are both admirable leaders that bring a significant amount of positivity to your to your everyday 
um, everyday life, everyday work, and, and really I think are role models for others um, to be engaged. What, what is it that refuels you to, to, that keeps you going, or keeps you that energy? Do you want to start? Um, you know, I, uh, I gain a lot of my strength from family and hanging out with them and uh, boating and golfing and, you know, relaxing. And, and I, uh, you know, I think my wife calls it oblivious, but I go to work happy every day. I mean, I, I like what I do and, uh, you know, I enjoy uh, the people that I work with. I mean, if I have 10 best friends, probably six or seven are in the group that I work in. And um the the founders of our group sort of structured it in a way that you know you're not really in competition with each other you're really working together and that's a real blessing similarly i think for me it's just going home unwinding spending time with family which includes uh, my husband and my soon to be 90 year old father and a great pyrenees that we love to take for walks but Outside of that, I also consider myself a bit of a travel junkie, so there is no better way for me to refuel than to experience a brand new culture, a new environment, just to become immersed in that. Um, Especially, I think it allows you really sufficient time away to re-energize and then come back to be ready to serve the people that we have here in this amazing health system. So finally, what do you uh, ask of the medical staff. I mean, we want them engaged, we want them to be aware, and, and we want to communicate effectively with them. So we're, you know, again, having this podcast. What is your ask as uh, in your leadership roles of the medical staff? Risk, but it goes back to the whole Nike concept of just do it. So how do I support those individuals to simply just do it? Because I have no doubt they have some incredible ideas how we can streamline or re-energize the work that we do, and so how do I give them the support and tools they need to just do it? Well, and I would say, uh, and I'm, I'm giving advice that I rarely have the capability of following, so um, <laughs> would be to think about uh, what you're gonna say before you say it, and the tone that you use, and the mannerisms that you deliver the message. Uh, and I think from a medical staff standpoint, you know, you're really sometimes coming from uh, uh, a powerful uh, position that you may not interpret as powerful uh, to the people that you're talking to. And um, the manner in which you do that really speaks volumes. Uh, uh, and, and I think we overall do a good job, but, but one of the roles uh, as medical staff leaders is that we have to um, address when that goes awry. and. You know, I, I think we have lots of opportunity with that. So I would say, think first before you say something. Well, Vicki and Dr. Bernard, um, we'd like to thank you so much for, yes. one, for being um, wonderful leaders and, and putting, um, putting patients first and uh, the sacrifices you make um, for, the cent- for the Central Division, for our patients, for our medical staff, for our for our team. For all of Atrium Health, yeah. And all of Atrium Health. Um, and thank you for, for joining us on this podcast. We really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for joining us for this podcast of Get in the Know with Your CMO. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. Please join us again as we interview medical staff members, teammates, and other leaders. Peace out.